come on, we're gonna be late. Come on. We're gonna be late. That's my little baby, huh? You'll be a good baby while daddy's out, okay? Okay, my sweet Matilda? Your ass stinks! What did you say? Your ass stinks! Son of a bitch! Welcome to another episode of whatever this podcast is. Uh, we got to talk about Return to Sleepaway Camp, huh? It's unavoidable. Uh, listen, here are the good things about Return to Sleep- Sleepaway Camp. One, there is a stoner named Weed. Two, there is a scene in which the girl who is coded as a nerd is reading a book. They're like in a cabin and she's reading this book that says on its cover journal of clinical pediatrics and the third good thing about this movie is that about an hour into it they introduce a new character and immediately uh like cut his dick off with a weird like guitar string guillotine kind of situation and that's it that's everything good about this movie uh other than that it's fucking the rest of this podcast is just depressing dude it's a shame and honestly even the guy who shows up and then like gets his dick cut off with a guillotine that's like it's not a guillotine it's like um uh garroting garroting what is it called when you use a wire to like choke someone or destroy their throat or whatever. It's like that thing kind of, it's like a little metal wire that is, I feel like the murderer like slow, like this dude is tied to a tree, which is probably a throwback to the dude who gets tied to a tree in Sleepaway Camp 3, uh, Teenage Wasteland. But then this thing gets tied around this guy's dick and then like the other end of it gets tied to a tractor and this guy's girlfriend is trying to like leave in this tractor, but she's fucking, like she keeps getting stuck in a mud puddle and like it kind of looks like maybe this guy's dick is like super hard to pull off and that's why it's getting stuck like it's unclear whether she's stuck in a puddle or whether this dick just like won't bulge or bulge <laughs> won't budge jesus fucking christ um regardless the thing even that scene right it's boring it goes on for so fucking long, right? It's it's all the murders in this movie, I think. Well, most of the murders. Some of the murders are good. You know, none of the murders are really that good. But they like they go on for forever. There's like this scene where these two boys are looking at like a knot hole in the wood in that's like the floor of their cabin and they just keep looking in it and you see like this like wood stake that's on the floor underneath it and they keep like one will like back away and the other will look in the hole and then that guy will back away and the first guy will look in the hole and you're just like oh my god get to the part where you stab him in the fucking eye already um 
And similar to some of the things that are unclear in the Sleepaway Camp movies, it's like, it's kind of unclear whether they did a bad job making this movie on purpose or not. Like, I think that ultimately, one of the things we can learn from this movie, and one of the th reasons that, like, if we conceptualize the Sleepaway Camp movies as a trilogy with two, like, sort of bonus round, like, grace notes at the end, why this is, like, one of those grace notes is that... I guess I should back up. Um, Sleepaway Camp, or Return to Sleepaway Camp, is a uh, fucking... It came out... Like, 17 years after Sleepaway Camp 3, and I think they, like, made it in 2002, or they made a lot of it in 2002, and then it didn't get released till like, 2008, so there's some confusing, like, early aughts, late aughts, like, tonal juxtapositions that are not that satisfying, but basically, they were like, okay, let's make another Sleepaway Camp movie, uh, but let's pretend Sleepaway Camp's part parts two, three, and four didn't happen. And also let's kind of make it a reboot instead of a sequel, right? I touched on some of this on the episode, uh, the last episode of this podcast where I talked about Sleepaway Camp for the return. Um, and so it's like this thing, like I feel like one of the main things we learned from this movie is the value of like doing an earnestly, like kind of haplessly you know I've been I've been reluctant to call these bad movies because I don't think that they're all bad movies I think that like there's something really charming about the first three sleepaway camps so there's like they're not earnest exactly like they're trying to be smart ass but they're not trying to be like like they're not trying to do the thing that that sleepaway camp or return to sleepaway camp does which is to do this like smirking, like winking, like look what a bad movie this is, like we're making fun of the original source material, kind of like, uh, I don't know, I feel like there's, it feels like there is something earnest in the first Sleepaway Camp movies that I didn't realize was earnest until I saw how fucking like smug and mean-spirited Return to Sleepaway Camp it is, because it's, it's hard to watch, like, part of what what's going on in Return to Sleepaway Camp is that it opens with these, like, boys in a bunk, like, lighting their farts and being mean to each other, right? Um, and everybody's just super mean to each other in this movie all the time. It's not like anybody is like, I'm not a dick here. Like, everybody in this movie is a fucking dick, right? Like, everybody's horrible. Um, I guess there's, like, one girl who is coded as the final girl, who I forget if she dies or not. Like, she's not horrible, and I guess, like, one or two of the other girls are probably not horrible. Um, but, like, the fact that it opens with a bunch of boys lighting farts in a fucking, uh, like, cabin points to another thing that it's had me thinking about. I guess I should probably wrap up that initial thought. Just, like, this movie is, like, a mean-spirited impression of a sleepaway camp movie, and that sucks. Like, that's not what I'm here for. Like, I'm not here for mean-spiritedness. Like, they feel, like, it makes it feel like there's something really innocent about Angela murdering all these campers in the 80s. You know what I mean? And, like... Murder is not innocent, you know what I mean? Like, murder is bad. Um, but, like, there's something about, like, Angela just murdering people that's really, like, in this movie, you know, spoiler alert, it's fucking Angela. It was Angela the whole time. It's always Angela, obviously, except in Sleepaway Camp 4, Return to Sleepaway Camp, where it is unclear what the fuck happened at all, but, um, like, 
Okay, so that's the one thing, right? It, it feels like a bro movie. It feels like it's like this like smirking, like, look at these fucking like camp bros and look how like we don't give a fuck about slasher movies because slasher movies are stupid, so let's be stupid intentionally, right? Which is why some of these murders are fucking terrible and like boring and they go on so long. Like what is unclear is, is this a joke, right? Like when you're having these guys like look in the hole over and over and over again before one of them finally gets murdered, it's like, I guess that's probably supposed to be a joke, right? Like, that's the intention. That's how we're supposed to read it. And it's just not that interesting a joke. Like, all these fucking... Like, it's not funny, right? Like, oh, is this guy going to get a fucking knife or, like, thing in his face? Like, that's not that funny. Like, who cares? And also, like, slasher movies are stupid as the premise of a slasher movie. Like, that also is fucking boring, right? Like, who cares? And now that I'm thinking about it, even before the fucking uh, boys who are lighting their farts open the movie, there's this opening sequence where, first of all, there is a rap metal song about Sleepaway Camp playing, um, and I don't know what any of the the verses are about, but the choruses are like, Sleepaway Camp, like, it's fucking, like, just like the worst fucking rap metal bullshit, which is confusing, because originally I thought that the movie came out in 2008, and I thought that we as a culture were done with fucking awful rap metal metal bullshit, except probably there is like a subculture or subcultures in which people are still enthusiastic about shitty rap metal. But like in 2008, I thought we were done with opening our movies with shitty rap metal, right? Whereas when you learn that a lot of this movie went into place in 2002, it's like, oh, well, we were still having a cultural love affair with shitty rap metal in 2002. So that makes sense. But even as that shitty rap metal song is playing, right? Like we're seeing all these like kind of flashy, like expensive, I guess, maybe expensive looking for the time. They don't look that expensive now, but they look like computer generated at least. There's like all these like quick cuts through all these newspaper articles about like Angela's murders that are kind of giving us the the backstory. But like, they just keep like using her like dead name, which has not come up any times or maybe it has and I just ignored it. But like, I was unable to ignore it in this movie, right? They just keep using her fucking, the name that she does not use. And it really points to just how fucking boring this movie is, right? Like, oh, she's trans, we fucking get it. Like, oh my God, part of the fun of the first three movies is that she's trans and it's like not a big deal, right? But like, they can't shut the fuck up, even in the opening credits about like what her name was before she transitioned and fucking, you know, it's just, it's fucking stupid. It's like infuriating. I was like, oh, here we go. Like, here we go. Y'all are going to do your best to ruin everything that made these movies great, right? And they don't, right? Because what this movie is, is a lesson in why the first ones are so fucking great, right? Like, this is like, what if there was an alternate movie or an alternate universe in which the Sleepaway Camp movies were fucking awful, like unfunny bro fests that don't have anything charming about them, right? Um, and so like, there are some female characters in the movie, but they don't really get to do anything. Like, they mostly just get sexually harassed by this kid, uh... What's his name? I want to say his name is Alan. It might not be Alan. Um... Man, how to... how to discuss this with you? How to frame this for you? Okay, let's talk about Alan. Alan is this, like, fat dork, right? Who everybody just wants to fuck with because he's a fat dork, right? And so he's kind of being set up as the red herring murderer, right? Like, everyone is constantly fucking with Alan. Like, what? I should... Maybe I wrote down his name. I might have a piece of paper. Hold on. Um, it's upside down. 
Nah, I didn't write down his name at all. Let's call him Alan, even if his name isn't Alan. Who fucking cares? It doesn't matter. This kid, he's like uncool and he's like socially like not good at reading situations or engaging appropriately or any of the things that make life easy at summer camp, right? Like he's a weird jerk. Like he's, he's, you want to sympathize with him, right? But it's unclear, like it's impossible to sympathize with pretty much anyone in this movie, which is another one of its flaws. I think I mentioned that. Alan like is like pushing people. He like shows up and he starts pushing people over and being like, "Give me the lighter. I want to light my fart." And then like, is not as good at lighting his farts as the other boys in his bunk, right? Which like, I don't know how to interpret that in terms of film, right? Like, what are you telling us with the fact that Alan is not as good at lighting his farts as the other kids? Like, should I sympathize with Alan for not like having as much volume? in his farts, like, speaking in terms of, like, physical volume, not, like, loudness. Like, should I sympathize with him for not having as much volume in his farts as these other kids, or should I, like, feel like they're right to make fun of him for not being as good at lighting his farts? Like, what the fuck am I supposed to feel about this kid, right? And so, as time goes on, we find out that he has a crush on this girl who probably also has a name. Um, but, like, just everyone in camp at camp is super mean to him, right? Like, everybody is just super cruel. At one point, Weed and the other stoner kid, like, trick him into smoking a joint that they rolled up, but instead of weed, it's cow shit, and they, like, make him smoke this cow shit joint, and, like, he doesn't like it. And, like, just, like, there's a scene, there's, like, a paintball montage scene where there's two teams in these, like, elaborate paintball, like, matching paintball uniforms, and sort of everyone just converges on this kid and shoots him with paintballs and at one point they like egg him and then he's talking to the girl that he's like he likes and he says something like she's like why do you smell that and he's like oh everybody threw eggs at me before like you want to sympathize with him right you want to be like oh you're the like oppressed nerd that like gamergate has been hoping would be a protagonist in a movie for forever but instead he is like a gamergator in that he is awful and fucking like he, like, wants to go on a date with this girl that he likes, so what he does is he, like, interrupts her croquet game, and then, like, he, like, is, like, fucking up the croquet game that these girls are having, and then he's, like, I'm not gonna stop interrupting your croquet game until you, like, agree to meet me at my, like, secret hideout place, which, by the way, Alan's secret hideout is this spot by a river where he has all these frogs, because he is friends with frogs. Like, that is his thing. He's like, nah, frogs are my friend, and at one point this other kid, like, fucking boots a frog into the air, and, like, I guess animal cruelty isn't funny, but it's hard not to read that as kind of a cartoon and think it's funny, but, again, that might just be me falling for the, like, bullshit asshole bro charms of Return, Return to Sleepaway Camp? Is that what this one is called? I don't even fucking remember. I talked about Sleepaway Camp 4 as Return to Sleepaway Camp earlier when it's not. Sleepaway Camp 4 is the fucking survivor, right? I can't even keep this shit straight. My point is just, when Alan interrupts the croquet game, the girl's counselor is like, dude, just agree to go meet him at his, like, secret frog hiding spot so that he'll stop interrupting our croquet game. So she does. And she's smart about it. She's like, I'm only going if I can bring my friend what's-her-other-what's-her-name. And so... I don't even remember what happens when they go see him at the frog hole, but it's just, like, this, like, clusterfuck of, like, you know, I talked about, like, I was talking to my friend Annie about 10 Cloverfield Lane, where I was, like, you know, the whole, like, plot was driven on 
threat of like sexualized violence and she was like yeah but in the end like it does work out right like in terms of reading it as a film in which like the morals of the film come through like the morals are good and I was like yeah but also like I, I like didn't enjoy like I can agree that in a film theory way we can read a movie as not being morally unacceptable but I still like don't have to like you know what I mean like that doesn't make a movie something I enjoy watching and the problem with Return to Sleepaway Camp is like I don't even fucking know what they're trying to do morally like are they trying to have some like badass like rap metal like you know I'm a badass like early 2000s Kid Rock or like I guess the rap metal that's playing isn't Kid Rock kind of rap metal it's much more like corn like tough guy shit but like I don't even know how to read that right there there it's impossible to root for Alan and so like he's murdering people and it's just like do I care and obviously he's not murdering people right because here is the thing uh Angela is there right except she is dressed up as a cop right and her cop disguise is so bad that similar to when Tony was talking about being in a gang and you were like is he fucking with us I don't know right now you see her in like one of the early scenes and it's like she looks like a like 15 year old drag king like admittedly maybe the people at camp whatever the fuck it is don't know a lot of 15 year old drag kings right I personally probably don't know a lot of 15 year old drag kings but I like I'm familiar enough with like she just like she just it's it's fucking bad it's the worst costume and you're like okay return to sleepaway camp are you like giving us an obvious red herring in like there is no way in hell this like pretend cop is really a cop like that is obviously someone in disguise um even if it's not Angela and so like I was thinking and oh right so another important component of this police disguise is that um he doesn't like he's like oh yeah I had a tracheectomy and so I use one of those machines that people who have had who like can't like talk through their throats will often use that sounds kind of like a vocoder so that like Angela I guess didn't have to like take tea so that she could have like a low voice and pass for a cop she just like figured out this like wise solution in which instead she like just used a machine to act like she didn't have a voice in the usual sense um which you know fair enough like that makes sense I feel like I wrote a story when I was younger about like somebody who like had to dress as a girl and so he was like oh yeah I'm taking like a vow of silence so that you can't hear my my voice which will tip my hat so like <coughs> it's just like it's such an obvious disguise and it's hard because nope it's not a red herring like she just is pretending to be a cop so she can murder people like it was Angela the whole time it was that obvious like prosthetic nose motherfucker who was murdering the people all the time and there's this really confusing thread through the movie where Angela as the cop who has had the tracheectomy or whatever um is like apparently trying to solve the mystery of Angela like I will admit to you that I was doing my taxes during a lot of this movie right I was not paying that much attention because I was like it's hard to watch in a way that's different from other things that have been on this podcast that have been hard to watch in that is, I mean fucking no like nothing in this podcast is like it's been super fun to watch all these movies so far and this movie was like there's a way in which it's fun and like the production values are higher because probably it's cheaper to have better cameras and shit so that makes it easier to watch but just like in terms of like the perspective right you talk about the male gaze in film right like this is like a very specific male gaze that's about like rap metal era vanilla ice or whatever the fuck um so she like 
in disguise as a cop, like, goes and meets with, like, Angela's cousin, who is this dude who probably was in the first movie, who is, like, you know, like, bleached hair and probably, like, those little, like, round, like, surgical steel earrings that, like, and, like, the, like, metal bead necklace that, like, you associate or I associate with, like, rave shit in the late 90s. Um, she goes to see Angela's cousin, and he's like, yeah, I've been going to visit her at the rubber room for the last 20 years. Like, she's still there. And admittedly, they probably resolved that in this movie, but I didn't pay attention during the part when they resolved that part. So, like, it, the, the Angela plot arc in which she is pretending to be a cop who is solving the mystery of, like, whether Angela is still in a psychiatric hospital or, like, whether she's out. Like, I don't, I don't understand what she's trying to solve at all. Um, so that was confusing. And then... Uh, what else happened? Oh yeah, so they're, um, like, God, fucking, you might not believe me when I tell you this, but like, I think Isaac Hayes was the guy who like did the voice of chef on South Park, right? Like they got him to play a chef in this movie as well. Like they were like, dude, how sick would it be to have like a reference to South Park in our movie, right? Like that's the kind of movie this shit is. Like, that is not the kind of movie that Sleepaway Camp 3 Teenage Wasteland was. Teenage Wasteland was about a fucking trans girl murdering people and, like, having fun with it. Like, this is about, like, South Park's cool, right? Like, Angela's not having fun in this movie. She has to fucking dress like a dude for this whole movie. Like, who would make Angela dress up like a dude? That's fucking cruel, right? She's a girl. That's, like, what being trans is. And <coughs> the only person who would make her dress up like a dude is somebody who, like doesn't get that at all or hates trans people or whatever and so that also sucks um there's another component of this movie where there's this guy who um I don't remember Sleepaway Camp 1 that well but I think that he was a counselor in the first one I think he wore like these like super super tiny shorts and was like super muscular he was one of those like zero percent body fat dudes where it's like wow like I can see every vein in your body and you have like all these like like muscles you like kind of look like if like somebody took apart one of those metal bead rave necklaces and then like put it together in the shape of a human and then put skin over it with veins and this metaphor doesn't work um <laughs> but my point is just he's this dude and I feel like he's probably an actor or bodybuilder or something in the 80s and they got him to come back for this movie right and so he's like he like isn't an owner of the current sleepaway camp he's like an advisor or like he owns a small piece of it and like he tries to keep up with the tone of this movie like he tries to be mean-spirited right he tries to be a dick like everyone in this movie is a dick like everybody in this movie just yells their lines all the time right and like while that is a good idea I think there should be I think there is room in film for movies in which everyone is just yelling all the time right like it is the bad kind of yelling it's just people yelling like mean stuff at each other and he tries to keep up and he can't even do it like it's such a clear reminder of like this dude like did a good job of like trying to be a grown-up in the first sleepaway camp movie and they're trying to make him like do a bad job of being a grown-up in this movie and he can't even do it like it's kind of sad to watch um there's also like the guy who owns the sleepaway camp in this movie his character's name is frank um he has a bird that he loves like his bird is his thing that's like his character trait i forget the bird's name um and one of the things that happens in the movie is that um alan alan that like dorky kid that everybody is mean to but who also is mean to everybody but who is friends with frogs he uh 
his catchphrase is your ass stinks like he frequently will like do something and then people like he'll be mean and then somebody will be mean to him back and he'll like run away with his feelings hurt and he'll like yell your ass stinks as he's running away <laughs> which fine whatever go for it that's fine to have that be a recurring motif in a movie but <coughs> at one point Frank and his his Frank's beloved bird is like ah, like your ass stinks like it the bird is I guess a parrot or another kind of bird that can learn to repeat words it repeats Alan's catchphrase your ass stinks and Frank is like oh I feel so like betrayed that my like you like corrupted my bird or whatever um, and the way that Frank dies is that the murderer who presumably is Angela although who the fuck knows um, the murderer like lets the bird out I don't know if, if the bird gets killed or not but the murderer like fucking uh, opens up the bird's cage. It's like this like metal like cage and knocks Frank out and then wakes Frank up and the cage has been like closed around his head, right? Um, and then I feel like instead of a bird because the time frame is wrong to starve the bird until it eats Frank's face she just like puts some rats in the metal cage and they like eat Frank's face to death and that's how he dies which I think is uh a reference, and this is spoilers for George Orwell, but I think that that's a reference to the end of 1984, right? Where, like, they put the thing on the guy's face and then a rat eats his face, which I read that book when I was younger and I did not expect that to happen. <laughs> I remember being like, this is, this is awesome. Like, I didn't expect somebody to get their face eaten by rats in this book that I'm reading for high school, right? Like, thank you, Mrs. Benz, for choosing this truly metal novel um but yeah like the guy who plays frank is uh at one point alan is like blah blah like shut up you big pussy like everybody people are calling things like pussies and like other kind of language that like it's just like i don't feel like it has to be a deal breaker but it's like busted some of the language is like deal breaker stuff you know it's it's boring fucking woe is me like rap metal white dude bullshit um but at one point he's like shut up you big pussy which made me be like oh i bet like i haven't watched the sopranos but my understanding is that there's a character named big pussy in the sopranos and this is the type of movie in which they would allude to the fact that this guy's name is big pussy in the sopranos by saying that right and i was fucking right dude i have seen a movie or two i know a thing about a film um so that actor is the guy who plays big pussy and again they like you know, score points by alluding to that, so fucking great work, whoever the fuck made Return to Sleepaway Camp. <coughs> what else? I feel like there's more stuff to say. At one point, um, at one point, somebody is fucking with Alan's frogs, and, like, I was like, you, like, see close-ups of these frogs, and I made a note where I was like, these are, like, sick, like, frog illness special effects but it wasn't frog illness I guess the frogs are supposed to be um skinned like somebody shows up and skins the frogs um what else happens There's probably more stuff your ass stinks the dude loves his bird it's impossible to sympathize with any of these characters. Everything is mean-spirited. The one guy can't be mean-spirited. Rat Cage 1984. They introduce a new character. I guess I mostly am covering all the bases that I wanted to cover. I'm trying to think. Um, 
I guess in the end of the movie, what we find out is that one of the like cool boys who's been mean to everybody and being like a boring rap metal dickhead um, is like the son of the main dude from the end of or from the first sleepaway camp or something like she wanted to get revenge on this dude's son for some reason and so like she like <clears throat> she skins him I guess she like practiced skinning people by skinning Alan's frog buddies and then like once she was good at it she skinned this kid so the movie ends with like her like so many people live dude it's confusing like she doesn't kill everyone it's just like she winds up killing this kid who is this whoever's fucking son or whatever um and <clears throat> like she could have killed him first like why go to the trouble of pretending to be a cop to solve some mystery that i still don't understand and then also killing all these other people and <coughs> like one of the murders that happens early on is like really parallels the first murder in the first sleepaway camp movie where it's this like jerk cook guy at the camp and like just like boils his face in boiling oil that i guess he was gonna fry up some potatoes in or something um and he like it just goes on for so long it's so boring um where he's like no don't kill me ah um and she's like no i'm gonna kill you and he's like ah which i guess now that i think about it i opened up the first sleepaway camp podcast with a recording of the sound of that chef being murdered in the first sleepaway camp because he went on for so fucking long it was like over a minute of just like him yelling and at one point it like sounds like i made an edit so that it could go on for longer but what actually happens is that um it just like makes a cut, but he's still screaming at some point later. Um, sorry, hold on. I, hold on. I just saw a thing. I'll be right back. Dude, I totally just found a mysterious amulet. Um, anyway fucking why not just kill that fucking kid in the first place you know what i mean like whatever again i was not paying that much attention during this movie maybe there's a good explanation for why she just fucking followed alan around waited for people to fuck with him and then murdered them for him instead maybe alan gets killed too i don't remember um the upshot is just that like return to sleepaway camp ends with the shot of uh angela like ripping off her prosthetic face like the parts of her prosthetic face and revealing that she was Angela the whole time which like obviously right um but there's this thing where like it's supposed to be a callback to the end of the first one right they're doing it like very clear similar to a lot of the stuff in this movie they're doing a very clear reference to um the last shot in the first one where she's like standing there looking weird her like in the first one, my understanding is that they superimposed her head onto the body of another kid. Like, they filmed a kid doing that screaming, and part of the reason it looks weird is because her head is superimposed onto that kind of strangely. And so when she pulls off the prosthetics from her face, um, her face is, like, framed by all these prosthetics in a way that makes it look like it's, like, sitting strangely or, like, not really, like, in place right. And so, like, it's this, like, super obvious, like here we are, like, here we go again, right? Like, it's Angela yelling and, like, kind of smiling and making a face. Um, and she's, like, what, like, 20 years older now? But, like, 
it's just like not that interesting. Um, <coughs> anyway, so, God, I've been talking for a long fucking time. I hate this movie. I feel like, thank you for showing us what the Sleepaway Camp movies could have been, right? Like, could, it could have been something other than the empowering, like, narrative of a trans woman who has agency. Um, but the other thing that I was thinking about, and I was kind of talking about how this movie movie feels like it's about dudes in a way that, like, the other Sleepaway Camp movies have not felt like, um, it's had me thinking a lot about, um, I've been listening to, there's this podcast called Women in Caskets where they've been talking about all the Nightmare on Elm Street movies, and I've been thinking a lot about, like, what, like, okay, so we tend to think of horror movies and, like, slashers as, as a misogynist genre, right? Like, um, women being murdered, there's always a lot of, like, boobs and, like, um, I've just been thinking, and I'm sh I'm certain that somebody has written a lot about this. In fact, I've mentioned men, women, and chainsaws a bunch of times in this podcast, I think, and I feel like I should read that because what I've been thinking about is, like, yeah, like, horror movies are often pretty misogynist, but also, like, they have women in them, like, right? Like, horror movies are often about women because of, like, the, like, writers who are frequently dudes, like, perceived idea and, like, cultural norms around women being vulnerable and therefore it being scarier for a woman to be, like chased by someone like a murderer or whatever than like a dude being chased by that stuff and that's busted but um the upshot there is that you get movies about women right like <laughs> like it's like sneaking in some kind of like agency or subjectivity right like um a lot of the Nightmare on Elm Street movies have female protagonists right like or at least like badass female characters who get to do stuff and I I don't know. I don't really have a thesis around that. I just think, like, I wonder, like, when I was a kid, right, and I was, like, getting stoked on, like, Nightmare on Elm Street and horror stuff, and I was in a place in my life where I was like, ah, this is, like, you know, <laughs> so much stuff to say. I feel like I was really drawn to this, like, Bill and Ted kind of stoner, like, bullshit. Maybe I've talked about this on this podcast already. It felt like a, like, way of, like, being like, all right, if I've got to be a dude, at least that's, like, a kind of masculinity that feels, like, not as toxic as, like, bro, like you know, football masculinity or whatever. Um, although, of course, like, stoner masculinity can be just as entitled and, like, pushy and busted as any other masculinity. But it felt like a, like a safe thing for me. I wonder whether similarly getting stoked on horror movies as a kid was about, like, well, horror movies feel like it's an okay thing for, like, a boy to be into, right? If I have to be a boy, like, at least I can be into this thing where there are, like, female characters. And I definitely wasn't thinking that explicitly. But I'm just wondering, like whether I'm just blowing sunshine up my own ass for thinking that or whether like that's true and I think that's probably kind of true I mean you know fucking I guess there's a lot of horror movies that don't have any women in them too right like there's a lot of bro horror that sucks but not and not even the same way like really I feel like whatever I'm rambling and somebody like I said has definitely already written a lot about this so uh that's all I got fuck this one is really long. How long is it? I'm gonna look at my thing. Let's see. Oh, cool. My phone takes a long time to unfreeze, because ah, it's not that long. Fuck it. See you in hell, dick wolves. Alright, truck nuts and dick holes. That's it. Imogen Benny on Twitter. This song is by People Watching. That other song was by Gorgon. Fuck capitalism and fuck your internalized colonizer mindset. What's gonna keep me from waiting on it out? See ya. Turn the Charles and rocks in my pub.